1920s, he ran for president of the union with one opponent, the moderate trade unionist Alex Rose. My father was more radical and also more naive. Ballots were supposed to be listed alphabetically, but before they were printed, Rose asked my father if it would be all right for him to put his name on the ballot first. Certain that he was going to win, my father immediately agreed. He didn't realize that in the community of immigrant workers, many who still could not read English voted for the first name they saw. And so my father's magnanimity led to his electoral loss and to a lifetime of hard work in the city's hat factories instead of a desk job among the union bosses. Rose fared much better. Those who grew up in New York City would later all know his name. A major power broker in Democratic Party circles, Rose broke up the third-ticket American Labor Party, which had become another front of the Communists at the onset of the Cold War, and he moved labor leaders who had created it a decade earlier out of its ranks and into a new body he created, the Liberal Party. By the time of the Cold War, my father found that his past activity with the Reds had put him on the industry blacklist. Despite his reputation as a first-class designer, firms were reluctant to hire him. He then did what scores of blacklisted union activists close to the Communist Party did. He became a capitalist. He went into business with an old neighborhood friend whose cousin had owned one of the major hat firms in America. And in one of those strange quirks of history, my pro-communist father ended up getting the contract for the official Eisenhower hats in the 1952 campaign, which he designed and which were created in the factory he now owned. If such an event could happen only in America, the same was true of its sequel. By the 1960s, as fashion changed and few women wore hats, the industry declined, and my father's firm, along with scores of others, went out of business. Alex Rose, whose strong anti-communism had long since moved him out of my father's circles, came to his rescue. Rose worked the books, allowing my father to obtain a union pension, although he had not worked as a union member for decades. It was, my father thought, Rose's way of thanking him for his naive generosity so many years ago when he foolishly agreed to let his rival be listed first on the Union electoral ticket. My mother, Ida Radish, nee Kreischmann, came from Russia with her family at an early age and lived with her parents and sisters and brothers in a one-room apartment in the swarming ghetto of the Lower East Side. In those days, few of her friends or family went past elementary school, and like so many other immigrant children, she had to leave school after the eighth grade to find a job. In 1913, at the age of 13, she transferred to the Hebrew Technical School for Girls to be trained in techniques of factory work in the garment trades. There she learned how to be a cutter, a task left for female workers to perform while the men got the machine jobs. At the age of 23, after spending nearly half of her days working, my mother had the major experience of her young life when she got an opportunity to attend the Bryn Mawr Summer School for Working Women. 
At this union-sponsored educational session on the campus of the elite institution, she finally got a sampling of education, taking courses in philosophy, history, and science, and she had a chance to swim and play tennis. In later years, she would proudly show me the one term paper she ever wrote, an essay on anarchism. It was in the garment trades as a member of her local's executive board in the fledgling International Ladies' Garment Workers' Union, led by David Dubinsky, that Ida Kreischmann met my father. Their relationship was born in the meetings that surrounded major strikes in the 1920s. My father, who had participated in the 1924 general strike of millinery workers, was by then a prominent left-wing union activist. He and my mother were clearly made for each other. At the time, they both lived in Williamsburg, then a Jewish outpost of Brooklyn. Finding themselves at the same union meeting, they walked...